They're so quiet today. Uh, Pastor Matt will be returning from a vacation this week, so he gave Pastor Otto and I the opportunity to speak. So uh, Pastor Otto and I are trying to do as many things as possible that we don't need permission from Pastor Matt to do so that when he returns, uh, we can just ask for forgiveness then <laughs> later. So when the cat's away, the mice will play. I'm just kidding a little bit. So uh, um, last week, Pastor Otto did a great job of talking about the resurrection. Today kind of feels like an Easter Sunday, uh, because today we'll be talking about the resurrection, the resurrection. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to start out today in John chapter 20, John chapter 20. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry, it will be up on the screen as well. But today we're going to talk a little bit about recognizing Jesus, recognizing Jesus. Uh, quick story. Have you, ever, uh, have you ever said hi to someone before? Maybe it was from far away, and then you walked up, said hi, and realized it wasn't the person you thought it was? Right? So now I, uh, there's a story I'm going to tell, and that's the reason why I don't do that anymore, because it left me with some insecurities about saying hi to people. Because I can see people from far away, and a lot of times I'm like, oh, that must be, you know, whoever, and then I start to get closer, and I'm like, oh, that's definitely not them. All right, I'll just turn around and keep on walking. So I was a freshman in school, and um, and I saw this kid. I was going down to the principal's office. I don't know I was being bad or, or doing something. Who knows? And so I'm going down to the principal's office, and this, uh, this student stopped me who was um, getting ready to enroll in the school, and he looked super familiar. And so I remember there was a student that uh, went to school with me in the fifth grade. His name was Danny Chaney, right? I mean, this kid was a real jerk, made fun of everyone. I mean, there are still, uh, I talk to my brother sometimes today of the, uh, of the things that he said to us, just not an encouraging guy. Anyways, so, sorry, Danny, if you're listening, I forgive you, <laughs> almost. So we're, we're going through and I'm like, Danny? And this kid's like, yeah? I said, Danny Chaney? He's like, yeah. I said, what are you doing here? I haven't seen you like since the fifth grade. And so we're talking, and I'm like, yeah, you still over here? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just enrolling back in here. I left and came back. And so I was walking back to the office like, wow, Danny's actually back. And then, uh, and then a couple days later, I saw Danny walking through the hallway. And I was like, hey, what's up? He's like, listen, I don't know who Danny is, but I just went with it. Uh, you... You were so excited that, you know, Danny Chaney was back. I just kind of went with it. I'm new here. I just started. And, uh, um, but, you know, and, and we had some mutual friends, so I eventually knew who he was. But from then on out, I never say hi to people unless I am 100% sure it is them. So I'm not being a jerk to you. If you're driving by, your windows are a little tinted, and I see you like, oh, let me wave. But if it's not you... Weird. I don't. I don't. So if I don't wave and I look like a jerk, I'm not a jerk. I promise. I just don't know it's you 100%. You know. So people pull into the parking lot at church or driving by, and as a pastor, you know, I want to be friendly to everyone. So, I, but if you're driving by and you want to say hi, you have to roll down the window because I'm not sure it's you. I won't say hi. That has scarred me for life because I thought that was Danny Channy, and it was not. It was just some kid messing with me. And so that has scarred me today, but I did not recognize uh, uh, who I thought it was I was talking to. And so today, uh, that's going to bring up today, 
how there's going to be a couple instances in the Bible after Jesus resurrected that people did not recognize it was actually Jesus. And so we're going to start out, if you have your Bibles, you should already be there. John chapter 20, if not, ask your neighbor what page, or just put your arm around them and read along with them. It won't be weird, I promise, we're family here. So John chapter 20, we're going to start today in verse 11. Verse 11. But Mary stood outside the tomb, weeping. As she wept, she knelt to look into the tomb and saw two angels sitting there, dressed in white. One at the head, one other at the foot of where Jesus' body had been laid. They said to her, Women, woman, why do you weep? They took my master, she said, and I don't know where they put him. After she said this, she turned away and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't recognize him. Jesus spoke to her, Woman, why do you weep? Who are you looking for? She, thinking he was the gardener, said, Mister, if you took him, tell me where you put him so I can care for him. Jesus said, Mary. Turning to face him, she said in Hebrew, Rabbi, meaning teacher. Jesus said, don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go to my brothers and tell them I ascend to my Father and your Father, my God, and your God. Mary Magdalene went, telling the news to the disciples. I saw the master, and she told them everything he said to her. So, uh, Pastor Otto talked about the death, and then this morning we're talking about the resurrection. So, um, they put some soldiers at the tomb because word got around that the disciples were all thinking that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. And so, to prevent that, they put soldiers in a big tomb, uh, a big stone over the tomb, so that way no one could steal the body and then say, oh, he was stolen, Look at, or, or he rose from the dead. That was great. And so, they put some soldiers there. Angels came, uh, pretty much made the soldiers, uh, it says in, the, in one translation, almost dead. So they pretty much were so scared, they just kind of, oh, we're just going to go to sleep right now and pass out. And then the angel is sitting on the tomb, just kind of sitting there. And, and then, so people go to visit to, to, uh, to both Marys, come to visit, and they're going to put some spices on, on Jesus and everything. And the body is no longer there. The body is no longer there. So then, Jesus comes up, but she doesn't know it's Jesus yet. And so she's weeping, and she's like, what has happened? Just think about this. Someone you thought was going to be where they were not, you walk in there, and the body is gone. And so she's weeping, and she's mourning, and then someone comes up and says, why are you weeping? And she, she didn't recognize him at first, right? So she's hurting all her hope is gone. She has nowhere else to turn. She's just sitting there trying to process everything. How can a dead body just disappear? How can this stone be rolled away? She just didn't. I mean, we can read it right now and say, oh, you know, that could kind of make sense. No, that doesn't make sense at all, right? Sometimes I think we read the Bible thinking that it makes sense when at times if we were in that situation our mind would be blown, like, this is impossible. But then later on, we see uh, what happens. So we go through, and we see she was hurting. All her hope was gone, and her grief did not let her look at Jesus. See, sometimes uh, in our life, we have situations that happen that have literally left us 
in grief, in so much grief that we can't even recognize when Jesus is with us because we concentrate so much. Maybe it's something in your past. Maybe it's a situation that you still get anxiety over, you still get pain over, you still get scared over, and you keep dwelling and dwelling and dwelling. At first, she thinks he was the gardener, right? She says, listen, it, whatever you've done with the body, let me know and I'll take care of it. Please, I'm just trying to, to fix this. I'm trying to make this right. And you know, for, for a second, she wasn't actually wrong. He was in a way a gardener, right? Because with all the pain, it can be reminded of maybe some thistles in the ground and some weeds in the ground and things that shouldn't be in there representing Jesus' death. But then Jesus pulls all that up and he lays down flowers. He lays down some nice plants. He retills the soil. So in a way, she was not wrong. He was, in fact, the gardener. But then they go through and he ends up just saying her name. He says, Mary. And at first, I, I can, I can kind of see it now. She's crying. Maybe she looks over and, and just a quick glance. She doesn't really look to recognize Jesus. But then she turns when he says Mary and she knows for a fact that's him. If you're taking notes, I want to give you a, a couple of things to write down. Number one, the resurrection gives us hope with the fact that Jesus has not left you, even if you feel that way. Jesus has not left you, even if you feel that way. Sometimes we just have to look. And I don't think she looked long enough to see that it was really Jesus. It's, it's okay to remember past things that have hurt us. We don't, some of us can't forget those things. But to dwell on them for so much that we forget that Jesus is even with us. That's what is hurtful. Some of us today need to look at something that, that we think about all the time. And it's for someone in here today. And you need to say, you know what? I need to forget about that. I need to stop dwelling on that because Jesus is here and I, re I need to recognize that he's present. Stop dwelling on that situation. Stop dwelling on that hurt. Stop dwelling on that pain. Stop dwelling on your past. And recognize that Jesus has already forgiven you of that and the resurrection provides hope to continue to move forward in Jesus name and when we stop dwelling on that we can be free the burden is lifted from us we don't have to continue to dwell and dwell and dwell so much that that becomes our focus when Jesus is standing right there calling you by name saying listen I'm here not all hope is lost. Because that's what Mary was thinking there. All hope is lost. All these years we've been following this man. Now what? All hope is not lost for you today. Side note, uh, just, a quick, uh, just a quick note here. If you look at verse 17, it's interesting because... Jesus says here, don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go to my brothers and tell them, I ascend to my Father, and get this, and your Father. My God and your God. 
Isn't that something where Jesus makes it personal right there? My father and your father. My God and your God. He makes it personal right there for them. Uh, have, you, have you ever had to introduce someone? Uh, maybe it was your girlfriend or your boyfriend, but you didn't know what you were at the time. Isn't, isn't it super awkward? So I get this all the time with students because they'll, you know, bring their girlfriend or boyfriend or, or almost or whatever. You, there's different levels. I don't know what level you're on. Could be on social uh on social networking, but only on these two, but not on this one because it's not super, you know, official. And so it always cracks me up because trying to introduce someone, it's not very personal. You're like, hey, how's it going? What's up, man? Hey, this is my... And then you have a split second to decide, what do I call her? We haven't made it official. We haven't said, hey, so, you know, you maybe want to be my girlfriend or... Uh, way back then, you'd say you were going steady, uh, saved by the bell days. But the, uh, for a split second, you don't know how personal you want to be with that, right? You're like, hey, this is my friend. And then you get the look, my friend. Or, hey, this is my, this is my girlfriend. And you get the look, too, because she didn't even know she was your girlfriend. <laughs> hey, this is my girlfriend. No. All right. And so a lot of times it's very, uh, it just cracks me up because I sit there when they're introducing sometimes like, hey, this is my, and then I just sit there like, and then I look at both of them. Oh, cool. Nice to have you. And then later I'm like, hey, buddy. So is this, is this not? Have you asked? Have you not? Did you put it on, you know, Snap or Instagram? What's going on? Where's the official picture of you two saying, my girl, day one? Or whatever you want to post, right? And so a lot of times we can't make it personal here, and it gets super awkward, but the disciples can now know God like Jesus knew God. Just think about that. My father and your father. Go and tell my brothers. Jesus is flipping the script here from death to life, as AJ was explaining earlier today, that we no longer have to keep making sacrifices, that Jesus paid the ultimate price for our sin, and three days later, he literally comes back to life. It was He didn't even phase out of his wraps. They're nice and folded, right? Someone who was going to steal the body would not just go in, undo the wraps, fold them nicely, then take the body right? They wouldn't care so much about that. But it was interesting because the way he was still flesh, yet something was, was different. And some of you, like I said, you may be thinking, oh, this makes total sense. Living there at that time, seeing all this would not make any sense. This is just crazy. And so that's the first instance that someone did not recognize Jesus was Mary. Number two, Luke chapter 24. Just flip a little bit back from John. Luke chapter 24. 
We're going to be starting in verse 13, Luke 24, 13. This is the second instance that we're going to talk about today. The road to Emmaus. That same day, two of them were walking to the village Emmaus, about seven miles out of Jerusalem. They were deep in conversation, going over all these things that had happened. In the middle of their talk and questions, Jesus came up and walked along with them, but they were not able to recognize who he was. He asked, what's this you're discussing so intently as you walk along? They just stood there long-faced like they had lost their best friend. Then one of them, his name was Cleopas. Uh, so side note, some people think this was Cleopas and maybe his wife. They're not exactly sure because they don't name the second person. But his name was Cleopas. And he said, are you the only one in Jerusalem who hasn't heard what's happened during the last few days? Translation, are you living under a rock, sir? Like, literally, they're walking out of Jerusalem. So think about this. Let's, let's set the setting up real quick. Everyone has this hope of this person coming to save them. And then the person dies. You've ever seen movies before where maybe you, you say there's no way that, that superhero, there's no way that main character can die in this film. Don't worry, I won't give any spoilers. But have you, ever, have you ever sat there and you're like, there's no way this can happen. This is the main character. They were literally sitting there all lost, hopeless, not knowing what they're going to do. What are we going to do after? And so they're walking out of Jerusalem, probably going to a different city because they're scared. We have followed this man. This wasn't necessarily some of the 12 disciples, but they were followers of Jesus. And they were scared leaving Jerusalem saying, where are we going to go now? What are we going to do with our lives? We've dedicated our lives to following this man for all these years, and now he dies. Now what? And you see further down in Scripture that people go back to maybe their past, maybe they're fishermen, maybe they've uh, done something else, maybe they just go back to their regular life because they're thinking, what do we do now? This Jesus that, that was supposed to be the Savior is dead. Some people think he, he was going to come as a, as a politician. Some people think he was going to come as a lion, just tearing apart everything. I'm taking over now, when in fact he came in as a lamb, as a servant. And people are sitting here going, what now? And so that's what they're talking about here, is they're walking down the road, and then all of a sudden, this guy comes up, starts walking with them. Hey, what are you guys talking about? Did he just ask what's going on? Like, do you not have TV? I just posted it on Twitter like 20 minutes ago. And so they begin to talk to Jesus about Jesus. Right? Isn't that something? So we continue reading here. And uh, let's... Oh, here we go. So he said, what has happened? They said, the things that happened to Jesus, the Nazarene. He was a man of God, a prophet, dynamic in work and word. If I was Jesus, I'd be like, hey, thanks for talking about me like that. You know, blessed by both God and all the people. Then our high priests and leaders betrayed him, got him sentenced to death 
and crucified him, and we had our hopes up that he was the one, the one about to deliver Israel. And it is now the third day since it has happened. But now some of our women have completely confused us. So then word gets around. So Jesus is with them. They're walking. They're talking. And they have no clue, you know, who this guy is yet. And it's interesting. The Bible says here that they were prevented from recognizing him. They were prevented from recognizing him. Why do you think that is? I think Jesus wanted to have an honest conversation with them. When was the last time you were honest with God? It's interesting a lot of times when people ask me what I do for a living. So I could be, it could be grocery shopping, it could be whatever, and I could be doing something, and all of a sudden, the, the question comes up. And I dread it because just, I love what I do, I promise, and I love God. I don't dread it because of that. I dread it because people change so much when I tell them I'm a pastor. So it could be on an airplane, it could be whatever. And I love to talk. It's awkward for me when I'm not talking to someone. So like I'm in an elevator and if I don't say, boy, how about those Indians? Or, oh man, that weather. Wow, did you see that building project outside? It could be whatever, but if I'm standing there awkwardly, not talking to anyone, it's awkward for me. Some people, it's opposite. If you say a word, it's awkward. And so I get in the elevator, I'm like, uh, don't talk, don't talk. So I see your child got that prize. That's awesome. And then that's the end of the conversation. But it's awkward for me not to talk, right? And so they're going through, and, uh, and they start, they don't recognize who Jesus is. And, and so a lot of times with me, once I tell people that I'm a pastor, they start speaking in King James Version. I, I just don't get it. I have more respect for people that continue to, to speak normal and use vulgarities and, and whatever the case for me as, as they would normally talk because I'm not anything special. I, I'm just, I'm called by God to speak, but that doesn't mean I'm, I'm not perfect you can ask my students. Don't ask them. I'm just kidding. But I'm, I'm not extra special. I don't, I don't float on a cloud because I'm a pastor. I don't play the harp especially well. I don't speak directly to angels. And, and so it's very difficult for me when I'm talking to someone to just say, hey, how's it going? Oh, what do you do for a living? I have said I'm a teacher of students before just because I, I, I just couldn't that time. But most of the time I say, hey, I'm a student pastor at a church. Oh, awesome. And then you kind of see what's going to happen after that. They start speaking Shakespearean, and they don't use, you know, bad words anymore, and they seem to bring up something having to do with church here and there, or they continue to talk normal to me. Oh, yeah, man, that's awesome. And they continue to talk, and, and I like when people are normal with me. I don't know if they would have been normal with someone resurrected from the grave, walking next to them, right? And so they start talking to him, and, and uh, N.T. Wright does a great job of explaining this kind of system that happens as followers of Jesus. Look at, look at we're going to look at the system uh, of how they talk to Jesus and go through there. So number one, a loss of hope. So they go through a loss of hope, right? This guy we're following is dead. No one knows where he is. What do we do now? 
So it starts out with a loss of hope. Then it goes into turning to someone who may or may not help you. They weren't sure necessarily who this guy was. But then it says further down, then Jesus preaches to them. And you know what he preaches? He preaches the story from beginning to end. Uh, one pastor I, I heard spoke on this before, and he said, if there was record of that sermon that Jesus preached to them, we'd be out of a job. Because we would just read that every single Sunday. From Genesis on, he, he lets them know all about the story. Everything we've been studying. And he explains them and he goes through scripture. And he explains everything that has happened and everything that led up to that specific point. That must have been a long walk, right? You have seven miles to go from Genesis to now. Begin. And Jesus introduces and shows them the scripture. And a lot of times we use scripture to help us find truth. And then they finally realize who Jesus is. So they invite him over. They're like, hey, you got nowhere to stay. You know, it was a long walk. Come on over. And then they eventually break bread. A new and complete meal. You know what the first meal mentioned in the Bible is? It's in the Garden of Eden right? Where it takes of the fruit, gives it to their spouse. And then all hope is apparently lost right there. What a complete 180 degree turn to go from the first meal right there where the enemy thinks he won to this meal over here Right after the resurrection where Jesus is like, hey, it's me. Let's break bread. Let's fellowship together. Eating with someone back then was not just your typical, hey, let's go out to eat. Awesome. This was very intimate to eat with people. That's why the Pharisees were so upset when Jesus would eat with the tax collectors. You're really doing that with them? Do you understand what eating means? Breaking bread with people means? And they recognized him here with the breaking of the bread. Number two, the resurrection provides hope when hope seems lost. When hope seems lost. When you're walking down those seven miles, it feels like a super long time. And you feel like you don't have anything left to live for. You don't feel like anybody cares about you anymore. You feel like that mistake will haunt you the rest of your life and you lose all hope. We were following this guy. We were following Jesus. And then he dies. What do we do now? What are we supposed to do? We got to get out of here. We're scared. We're dispersing. We're leaving. What are we going to do? And that's us a lot of times. One situation takes us away from, from having faith. One situation takes us away from having hope that Jesus is still there. That's what the resurrection provides if I were going to sum up this whole thing in one word, hope. Hope. That's what the resurrection provides. You may think Jesus died right here, and, and, and you may think in your life that he's left you, but he has not left you. He's right there. He's right next to you. He wants to break bread with you. He wants to say, don't you recognize me? Remember, I helped you with that past pain. Don't forget about that past pain. And I'm here to help you with this pain as well, to help you walk through it. And Cleopas 
and the person walking next to him finally realized, this is it. This is Jesus. He's back. And so they go running back to Jerusalem. There may have been risks. They may have been going around, hey, all these Jesus followers, all these lies the whole time they told and everything, just go after them. There was risks going back. That's how we know that this is actually true. You don't risk your life for a lie. This is truth. And so they recognize who Jesus is. We're going to look at a third and final story here. John chapter 20. John chapter 20. We're going to talk about someone that's pretty popular when it comes to doubting. His name was Thomas. Right? Imagine your whole, in, like, I, I, when I get to heaven, I just want to be like, Thomas, can I just give you a hug? You are known as Doubting Thomas, not believing in Jesus. You know, I think others doubted too. He was just the only one that spoke up about it. You guys ever speak up about your doubts? Oh, I believe it'll all come to pass. Jesus will take care of everything. I believe we all have doubts. And we doubt what's going to happen. We doubt what our future holds. Students graduating have doubts. They don't know what's going to happen after. These people all have their lives planned out, and I'm just kind of sitting here going, what do I do now? Or you're going through a storm right now, you're having a doubt that Jesus is actually going to calm that storm. Or is he going to help you walk through that storm? So Thomas is here. We're going to look real quick, John, chapter 20, starting in verse 24. But Thomas, sometimes called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples told him, we saw the master. But he said, unless I see the nail holes in his hands, put my finger in the holes, and stick my hand in his side, I will not believe. Eight days later, the disciples were again in the room. This time, Thomas was with them. Jesus came through the locked doors, stood among them, and said, peace to you. Then he focused his attention on Thomas. I love, I love that. He focuses his attention on Thomas. He knew Thomas was going to doubt, yet he focuses directly on him. He doesn't ask the other disciples, where's the idiot that doesn't believe me? I'm here to show him. It's proof. Thomas, where are you? I'm here. No, but he walks in and he focuses on Thomas. He says, take your finger and examine my hands. Take your hand and stick it in my side. Don't be unbelieving believe. Thomas said, my master, my God. Jesus said, so you believe because you've seen with your own eyes. Even better blessings are in store for those who believe without seeing. Jesus provided far more God-revealing signs than are written down in this book. They are written down so you will believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and in an act of believing have real and eternal life in the way he personally revealed it. Uh, Speaking of doubts, one time my brother and I were fighting. We were younger. We were running around the house, hitting each other and just doing stuff. And my brother was like, if you don't stop, I'm going to call 911. And I was like, no, you're not. You don't have the courage to do that. You're lying. And he's like, oh, yeah? I said, yeah. I doubted. There's no way he, listen, there's no way my brother was going to call 911. If someone wants to guess someone's going to call 911, it's going to be me. But my brother, no. So then he goes up to the phone. He's like, oh, yeah? So he dials nine and one. He wasn't going to dial the other one. Like I said, he was chicken. 
But when he hit the one, he accidentally hit it again. And then he hangs up. He's like, you're lucky. And then the phone rings. And we're all like. So we pick up the phone. My mom was gone. She went to the grocery store. This is before all the like rules, a certain age. You can't have, you know, parent can't leave the house, all that mumbo jumbo. And so my brother picks up the phone. He's like, hello. Hi, this is a 911. We're just wondering, um, is everything all right? My brother's like. Uh, yeah, everything's fine. Um, how old are you? Oh, I think he was like 10 or something at the time. 10. Where's your mom? He said, she's in the shower. <laughs> are you sure everything's all right? Do we need to see someone out there? I said, I said, tell him no. He's like, no, everything's fine. I just accidentally dialed it. I, I meant to dial something else. And then he hangs up and both of us for the rest of the night are staring out the window waiting for like a dispatch to come out. <laughs> I literally, my mom's like, what are you looking at? Oh, you know, just looking at the cars going by. And I literally sat there all night for like the next couple hours, staring out the window, praying to God, a dispatch or ambulance or someone would not show up in my driveway because I'd need an ambulance after that once my mom found out. But I doubted him. You ever had doubts before? And you said, no, there's no way that could be, there's no way that could ever happen. Prove it. You say, prove it. And Jesus had to come in, and he literally proved it. Third and final point, the resurrection hope turns doubt into faith. Turns doubt into faith. It reminds us that Jesus does not stay dead. That your situation is not over. Your story is not over. Some of you guys may be in here today, first time attendee. Hey, we're glad to hear. Some of you may be in here, you don't believe in Jesus. Guess what? Jesus still believes in you. And we're sitting here today and we're going, people did not recognize Jesus. Some of us need to recognize today that Jesus has not left us. And AJ's going to come up and, and, and just play. But I want to I give you some sort of, uh, of reflection time. If everyone could just bow your heads and close your eyes. Further down, we're going to talk about in the next coming weeks, but it says in the Bible, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside each and every one of us. Wow. That same spirit, that same spirit that moved the stone away, that same spirit that Jesus came out of the tomb with, that same spirit that Jesus came back in full human form, lives inside each of us. We have hope. And so with every head bowed, with every eye closed, I wanted to ask, maybe some of you today, the first point resided with you. And maybe you think Jesus has left you. Maybe there's a situation in your life that you need to let go of today. You can remember it, that it's in your past. You can remember that it's there but you need to let go of it today and recognize that Jesus is there. Let go of it today. Quit having anxiety about it. Quit dwelling on it. Quit putting all your efforts into it and just say, Jesus, here it is. You are providing the hope today that there's so much more than that situation in my life.
let go of it today in Jesus' name. Some of you think hope is totally lost for you. Maybe you've done something or something has happened or you just don't feel like Jesus is there anymore like he used to be. And I want to tell you today that hope is not lost. You may feel like those two walking down those long seven miles and someone comes up and, hey, how's it going? You don't even recognize that it's Jesus. But remember today that hope is not lost. The resurrection proves that. So maybe you need to just say, hope is not lost. My situation does not make up who I am. My actions do not make up who I am. Maybe today you just have doubt. Maybe you're sitting here listening to all this and you're just doubting. Maybe some of you have no idea who Jesus even is. But today you're going to say, you know what? I need hope in my life. I need hope in my life and the resurrection can give me that. That every time we remember, not just dwelling on his death, but dwelling on the fact that he came back to life. And every day we can wake up knowing that the resurrection helps us get up in the morning. The resurrection gives us hope when no one else can, when nothing else can. The resurrection gives us hope. So maybe you reside with one of those today. You just say, Pastor CJ, I just need prayer for that. Would you just raise your hand real quick? Say, Pastor CJ, pray for me. I need hope for today. I need reminded of the resurrection. I need a reason to keep living. And the reason's here. It's Jesus. And so I'm going to pray for you guys today that God would remind you he hasn't left you. Lord, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you so much that your scripture provides us with the tools necessary and and your resurrection provides hope. Everybody in here has lost hope. All your followers have lost hope, sitting there wondering what they're going to do next. And people in this congregation today have lost hope. They've sat there in their situation over and over and over again, thinking they've lost everything, thinking they can't go on anymore, thinking that they'll never get hope back. But I pray in Jesus' name today that you would remind them that the resurrection brings hope, that you bring hope, that the Holy Spirit that brought Jesus back to life again lives in each and every one of us. And at the very end of the scripture, it gives a great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing people. Lord, I pray that we would use this resurrection story as the hope that a dying and lost world needs. That as we walk through these doors, that we would be a beacon, that we would be a beacon of hope to people who need it most. That this parent fair would not just be about uh, giving things so that we can look good, but God, that it would be hope for people. That they would look into our eyes and see hope that there's more out there, that God hasn't given up on them yet. We love and thank you so much for this story. We thank you so much for your resurrection story. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming out. Hope you have a great rest of the Sunday and uh, have a good one.